jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. Arts and culture. You are listening to Lost Angeles with Laura Craven on jasoncharles.net. This is Laura Craven. The following episode is part two of our two-part Los Angeles special on the Southern California properties of Johnny Carson. This episode features a rare and exclusive interview with Ed Niles, the architect of the spectacular estate where Johnny Carson lived the last 20 years of his life, an architectural masterpiece located high on a bluff in Point Doom, Malibu, California, originally designed by Ed in 1978. The architect worked closely with Carson on many elements of the property over a period of several years. And now, my exclusive interview with architect Ed Niles, recorded in his iconic self-designed home and studio in Malibu. This is Laura Craven with Los Angeles for the JasonCharles.net podcast network. Today, I am speaking with architect Ed Niles in his beautiful Malibu home. So we can discuss the amazing Johnny Carson Estate on Point Doom here in Malibu. Welcome, Ed. Welcome. First off, I wanted to talk to you about the genesis of the house. It was uh, designed and built in 1979, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, the house was originally designed in 1978. Mm -hmm. And uh, the genesis behind the idea is one thing, but the genesis around the history is based upon the response by the California Coastal Commission and uh, surrounding neighbors, we'll say. I see. The property itself, there are two parcels, but the the clients at the time were the Schmidt family. Okay, didn't want to get into that to find out from you if it was commissioned by Johnny Carson, but no. But, no. but it's an interesting story regardless because the Schmidt family, um, I had known them for a while and they came to me about doing something special and uh, we talked for a long time about integrating nature, integrating the whole feel of the ocean, the whole feel of the world into it. And they were very aware of, we might say, Hawaii. They were not from Hawaii, but had been married there. So we spent a lot of time on, we'll call it gestation of ideas, of how we do it, how we, where it sets, how it, it, so on and so on. And then um, we went under construction and uh, took us a while. We had our, our, our dealings with individuals that didn't like anything contemporary mm-hmm. and also did not understand the house at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, now this did not include ultimately the tennis facilities across the street. This is just right. the structure itself. So, and the tennis facility, that was the adjacent that lot. Was what That's initiated through Johnny directly. I see. Okay. So what happened was, and it's an interesting story, but what happened was that... Uh, the house was finally completed, and um, they lived in it for about two years. At the same time, in parallel with that, Johnny Carson was looking for a new home. He's living on the beach. Right, he was, yeah. So I, one day, I'm going over to the house uh, to help the Schmitz out with something. We do a little guest thing, and uh, Johnny Carson's there. I didn't even recognize him, and he was just there. I mean, <laughs> why would he be there, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be on a screen, Johnny. Incredible, right. But anyway, so uh, he was looking at the house, and he had a real estate agent with him. And uh, 
they were just looking. How, how big is the house? Are you the architect? Yes, I am. How big is the house? That's about 8,000 square feet. And that's the last thing I heard. Well, that weekend, um, it was on a Friday night, I get a call from the Schmitz that he wants to buy the house. And, um, and, and so I hear the silence. I said, what do you mean he wants to buy the house? He says, yes, he's going to pay us a very reasonable sum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we had to be out by Tuesday or Wednesday. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> so I said, well, what do you want from me? you got to come over here. you got to help us. You know where everything is. So I go over there, and we do this, we do that. We had a wine wine cellar in there. We took all the wine out. I would say I think we took all the wine out because I'm not sure how much was left. <laughs> Didn't want to leave is, anything for John. The point is we're doing all that. <laughs> and then um, he buys the house. They, the house was not for sale. That was number one. Uh -huh. It was only, I think, because of the uh, who it was. And it's not that they were enamored with him. Uh, Schmidt himself is a nuclear scientist, and you know he's one. He's been around. Yeah. Okay. So, and Carla certainly was his wife. But the bottom line was that uh, they did sell, and in doing so, that's when I obviously became involved with Johnny. Mm -hmm. And first, we worked on the house, in the sense that most of the most of the interiors was already there: the forest, the trees, the paving, the kitchen, everything else. There are certain personal things that he wanted which we revised, uh, mainly to do with some privacy acoustically for his den sitting area. And he had, uh, at that time, was with a woman at that time. Okay. Right, because this is post-divorce. He lost the Belair house in the yeah. divorce, so. And he was with a woman, very nice person. And uh, I don't want to say the name because I don't know if I'm supposed to or not. No, that's entirely okay. okay. I wouldn't want you to spill but anything. She, she, she was... I was a real plus because she was very sensitive to the house, to what things were going on, the views, the intent, everything else. So we spent a lot of time, I mean, probably a year, just going through what should be done. At the same time, I put him in contact with the people that, uh, it was a religious group, actually, a church that owned the property, the three-acre piece across the street. Mm. And the assumption there was, that we would build a tennis court there and do a facility, especially a guest house for his guests, right. and ultimately turns into a building which contained a lot of memorabilia. Uh -huh. So it's a big pavilion, basically. Right. Now, that would have been built on the property adjacent, but uh, we both discussed that, and we felt that would be an intrusion visually, the tennis court. So eventually he purchases that property from that group, and we spend the next two years putting together the documents, approvals, getting everything set up. And what was is interesting, um, I was probably meeting him about at 8 o'clock about just about every morning of the week. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just back and forth. I lived in Malibu. Not, I lived in Ramirez Canyon, by the way. Right. And he was still at the beach house at that he time? Was, no, he had already moved into the house. You kidding? Uh, Remember, he moved in on Wednesday. That's they, correct. <laughs> yes, they had to vacate in 48 hours or something. Yeah. Wow. Oh, no. It was... Uh, a little bit more than 48, but right. the important thing is, no, he definitely was in the house because I would meet him there. We'd sit there, go over things, and uh, some of his friends would show up, some real characters. But he, he would, uh, we would discuss things, and I would build models so that he understood three-dimensionally what we were doing. And eventually we evolved into getting all the approvals for the recessed tennis court. Mm -hmm. 
without a straight Australian, it's a professional court that is the distances. Yeah, he was such an incredible lighting, yes. tennis then, player. Then we did the pavilion structure, which is actually an evolution of three knees. One was his own private assembly of photographs work, his drums. Uh, then two small guest rooms on each end. And then what I developed was an observation platform on the roof of the structure so that you could sit there and watch the games. We started under construction. There was not a day in the week that when I came over with the contractor that he wasn't playing tennis with somebody. Okay, and here we are on the court, Inc drilling, hammering. Right. <laughs> but the court was now done, and it was a court that was uh, really a very, technically speaking, excellent. Very good landscape architect, Emmett Wemple and Associates, did the entire landscape scheme around this whole area. Nice. And, um, and obviously there was a whole issue on the privacy mm -hmm. of people, you know, were but, you getting some neighborhood pushback about the no, tennis pavilion? After the, after, after the initial clients, the Schmitz had sued um, some neighbors for harassment. And they won, which was a very rare situation. So by the time Johnny got in there, and I think that most people understood where he was coming from anyway. He wasn't interested in doing anything different or doing anything at all that would push the envelope in relationship to them. But... The property, the tennis property, was circumvented by a wildlife road, they don't have the name. And in doing so, it was interesting because everybody around us had encroached into the right-of-way. And when Johnny and I walked the property, I said, you know, you really can't be all the way out here like Joe is across the street. Uh -huh. <laughs> he said, well, why not? He says, unless you want to appear in the newspapers, the press, television, as being... You know, a, a person whose concerns for the environment right. are not taken seriously. He'll be singled out That's as the, one, the big means. encroacher. And he would have yeah. been. Yeah. Bottom well, that was line is we proceeded and uh, interesting stories and why we did what we did. But those then we built an, actually another guest house on the same property that was a separate structure, mainly not for his, his people that had been with him for a long time. Interesting. Because I had suggested that, where were they going to be? And I said, well, you know, you don't want him in the house with you. This is not that kind of a place. You know, it's, you know, he, he's, he's not your traditional movie industry. Uh, I've got a guy that's there to uh, help me every minute to put on my shoe and my, you know, to, to clean my teeth or something. You know, so, yeah, no, he's very, more very, independent. very private in his own personal realm. Mm -hmm. All this period of time, we on for about three and a half years, about this period of time, um, the, he got married. About this period of time, um, we were doing other things. He wanted to improve this and do that and so on. So we did, and I was with him. And, and Lisa, my daughter, was helping also. She's an architect. And, uh, and, but, and probably the, the, the most, what can you say about a person like this? with well, the level of notoriety that he had with him, it's like a tag, and who he was. He would get in my old beat-up car and go with me out to the valley to Marbles Unlimited to God knows where. He'd be with me, get out of the car, touch, feel, see everything. The people would just flip out. <sighs> Imagine. And many of them didn't even know who he was. Really? He wouldn't be like he instantly said, recognizable? Well, you know, he's recognizable in the sense of who he is. But when he was with me, he'd have a pair of Levi's on. And, you know, sure, he's like, like a human being. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> and you're in the valley also. Just hanging out with my architect. And you're in the valley also. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what happens is that we had all these uh, extraneous events, uh, connections, laughs. Uh, I'm standing there one day in front of his guardhouse, which I had to put in. And some guy drives up. And you can see the reason for the guardhouse. But the guy drives up and it's kind of scary. I'm standing there. He's standing next to me. And there's one other person, I forget who it was. Maybe the contractor. The guy gets out of the car and hand an envelope. He says, Johnny, Johnny, I want you to read this story. And he gives it to me. He thinks I'm Johnny Carson. And I didn't say anything. I said, Johnny isn't here right now. When is he going to be back? I says, well, probably next week sometime. I don't know. The guy drives. <laughs> Did he leave the script with you? I didn't read it at all. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it. I don't know what happened to it. I just gave it to Johnny after he left. And it he was might be so responsible weird. for one of the great productions. Yeah, it probably <laughs> was. Yeah, Gone with the Wind. Anyway, no, no, but it's all those kind of relationships. And, and the great one was, uh, as far as jokes are concerned, the great one was I go to the house one day and we were doing something. I don't know what it was. We're moving some trees in, I think, on one side. And I go to the house one day and uh, there's somebody in there and I recognize the guy. And he's running around like this. He goes, where's the gift shop? Where's the gift shop? <laughs> because it was such an amazing, well, yeah. enchanting place. He says, I want to live here. I want to live under all these trees. Mm -hmm. But anyway, a lot of stuff. And then later on, when I think he'd retired, he bought a ship. We, in fact, he and I and a good friend of mine have always sailed and had boats. And that would have been the Serengeti, I yeah. believe. Yes. And so what happened was, he says, I got to get a ship. So we... We rounded up a bunch of stuff that we felt was in his category. In fact, we told him, he took the one, one he, we told him, why don't you get James Bond's one that he used in X movie, and I can't remember. I can't remember the boat. I can't remember it right now. It's kind of a wild Italian design thing. So he did it. And then he goes, I've got to have one. So we, so we ended up with the Serengeti. It's a Westport, like a battleship. Well, then the next scene starts where I don't, he's gone, he's gone, he's, he's on his, he goes all the time, he's gone. But what happens? I'm getting these telephone calls from him. He's in Alaska, he's in here, he's there, he's calling me, he said, look, could you go to the house? There's a situation, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, we were, he was communicating with me all this time, and, uh, and I had no idea he was sick. Uh -huh. I had no idea at all. Wow. And uh, so it, it, um, it's very, very uh, impressive, but I, I can tell you right now about a human being and about people. I suspect that given you line up all the heroes in Hollywood and, and the biz, uh, he's probably pretty near the top as being a true human being and also extremely sensitive to other people. Um, contractor had not got his check. He came on the job, said to the contractor, did you get your check? And the contractor said, no, I didn't have received it yet. Picks up his phone. Uh, this is the beginning of cell phones, by the way. Right. <laughs> and some poor, poor young little Madeleine comes out on her car, and she's got the checks, drove all the way from God knows where wow. from this. <laughs> she wow. Should have had him here Friday, and it was like Monday or Tuesday. Or mm -hmm. So that's the kind of guy he guy he was. He cared about other people, and I think that in itself is the root of his success as far as I am concerned anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, so well, it's good. I mean, I know, appreciate you yeah. sharing, I mean, such a deep friendship you guys had. Well, well it was, 
it, he was easy to communicate with, and that probably is the whole thing. And I have a, um, I've been accused of having a relative sense of humor, okay? So we would get into situations and, you know, it'd just be laugh, he'd be laughing. He said, no, you, you tell him you're Johnny Carson, don't tell him them. Because <laughs> we went to all these places, you know, we'd look at the tile. And, you yeah, name, it sounds like he was very hands-on in the oh, design totally, process. Totally hands-on, and I appreciate that very much because we'd argue mm-hmm. about things, and he can understand it. And uh, and I think I met some people in his family. I think I met his brother before he passed away, and some other people. But there was never a lot of we might say. And I was I usually met him in the morning early, so there wouldn't have been many people at the house itself. But the house was always he was always cloistered at the house mm-hmm. in speaking. Somebody came over, you met him over at the pavilion structure, things like that. And, uh, or they played tennis. He's a hell of a tennis player for what yeah. he was, I tell you. Sounds like yeah. a lifelong. Yeah. Well, he had some crazies from Australia and uh, <laughs> that were just <laughs> out of control, man, I tell you. <laughs> but he must have preferred the Australian court. That was why well, he wanted to. the court we had. The main thing about be. it is that it could rain and the system was designed in such a way that it was layered so the water just was gone instantly. I see. Just really bizarre. Oh. And then we had it, if you've ever seen the photographs of it today, it's completely forested all the way around mm-hmm. and everything. And, and, the, and thank, when he passed away and the house was sold, thank God these people were going to tear the court out. And I argued with them, this, you know, this the family, I won't mention the names, and then I, I refused to work for them because she was just, uh, what can I say, not disrespectful, but, but totally, and this, this is true of most architects, and it's, it's, I have a bias, obviously. It's like having a baby and a child and somebody dressing it weirdly. And uh, so there, that has been all that. Right. Right. Was the court preserved? The court, Tina? yes, was preserved. Mm-hmm. She filled in the... Uh, she filled in the... Uh, guest house pavilion structure with about 300 pieces of exercise equipment, I guess on the assumption that just looking at it would create the kind of body type that she, was, she felt she deserved. <laughs> don't, don't mind me. There's a history behind it all that's just amazing. I, I just don't stand for it. Right. She's having a meeting with all these hot dogs, hot dogs, all these people from New York. You know, just knew everything and they're at this big table and she's sitting here and there and I walk in and I looked at it and I says, no, that's not going on this house. As far as I'm concerned, you have absolutely no sensitivity. You haven't asked why the house was developed this way or anything else. So we went on and on. Finally, it's, oh, Mr. Niles, you shouldn't talk to them that way. I said, why not? I said, they're talking to me that way through the documents they're showing me. It may not be verbal, but it's an insult. Mm-hmm. So I just got up and walked out. Wow. And she called me, oh, the house is done. She called me, you got to come over and see what I did. Did you turn oh, down that offer? Big time. <laughs> I can imagine. I said, look, at, I know what you did. I've seen photographs of the landscape, landscape architect she hired was a friend of mine. And uh, she obviously sent me photographs of it looked like somebody had robbed the French 15th century furniture warehouse and brought it in there. Oh, yeah. You, I got photographs of it right there. I mean, you yeah, because... It. And I, I really do want to look at the photos you have. I feel like I have seen the Carson era f- photos, and it's just, it's very forested, and there's pathways, and it, I can imagine why he would want to sequester himself. No, no. 
the yeah. original clients had a big sofa uh, in there, a lot of trees. They had a big fireplace, seating area. I mean, because he loved the ocean. He was looking out over the ocean. There it is, you know, the whole thing. And yeah. uh, then, um, Gorgeous. then the house next door, I did the younger house next door, and that was way over there, so there was plenty of privacy. But to give you an idea who he was, it was on his show. One time I came over, and he said, you got to see this. Well, the glass wall, imagine that this is the glass wall here. Mm -hmm. Right on the other side of this glass wall was a branch of a tree that was coming over. Grace, like you see in a Japanese Nice. Soggy paintings coming over, and sitting right there was a uh, nest of a uh, what do you call the birds that fly real fast? Bzz, hummingbirds. Hummingbird. Yeah. Nest. You could see it like this. There are eggs in there. So he took his camera on the inside, set it up so it would run 24 hours a day, and then he showed it on television. That's incredible. Out, you know, I've got to so, look that up. That's yeah, incredible. And he was something. able to follow this nest from egg of course. to hatch. Yeah, of course. And uh, <laughs> so when I talk to him, I say, have the eggs hatched yet? That's all I want to know because they're so small. It's ridiculous. You know? But that just shows you that what I'm trying to say. That shows you the kind of person that he, his interest, his interest was uh, whatever page you turned He's had that interest, that background, or met that person. I mean, you look at the wall, there's a picture of Eisenhower, and you'd be I mean, right down the line. I mean, you're too young to remember people like that. But the point is that it, you know, good person. It's that same kind of a guy that has crossed paths with so many people in his life that no one is that special or that. Yeah, and he sounds like he was very intellectually curious. Well, and... he was curious above all. Whether he's intellectual about it is that's always debatable, <laughs> always, for anybody. But the fact that the curiosity drove him to ask questions and drove him to meet people and to bring people on that had something to say, whether he agreed with it or not, is not is the issue. Right. And I have to say that we need somebody like that today. Do we ever? Okay. <laughs> Right. And, I mean, um, it's important to never stop learning. I com I'm completely well, down with you, that. Well, if you're it's... not, you're, you, you go blind. And, um, and I taught for many years at USC in architecture, and I, that was the whole premise. And, but I stopped there after 30, 35 years. But it, it has always been. And with a guy like that, or I, I would say that represents probably two-thirds of my clients are people that have intellectual curiosity. Mm. They don't have to be a doctor. They don't have to be... A, 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 like the nuclear, like Schmidt alone is a nuclear scientist. I did my thesis on nuclear, on nuclear medicine, buildings and how you design them, and what you do. And he and I would sit there for hours discussing this stuff, scary stuff. You know, I mean, you know, wow. nuclear blasts. And he was, you know, I mean, it just was. But these are all the kind. Then I got people that are really quite boring. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like every now and again, you've got a client. It's a great pairing oh, no, for no, you. I've because got clients, I've got clients. I've got wild buildings. I've got right. and two of my two clients that I would have never expected, never expected, was a, a woman philosophy teacher from UCLA. She was living at Point Doom on one of those trailers. She said, I got a site up here, da-da-da. We go up there, this, this house with a flying wing roof, everything just incredible. I mean, it's just, let's do it. Wow. And then the other one was a woman <laughs> named McKay that we did an unbelievable job on that. And uh, she passed away, too bad, of the years. And, uh, and I've had, I've been very lucky. Uh, 
families, uh, Luskins, right. a very lucky guy. And uh, well, I have to say that some some of your designs are so bold and you know just very grand, full of glass and high ceilings and steel, <laughs> circular. I'm thinking about the semicircle that's up on well, is that uh, Rambla? Yes, well, Sidley was crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, but to have a client that wants to go there, I well, mean, that's yeah, got to be Sidley, very exciting Sidley from an artistic was, Sidley, The best word for Sidley, he was nurtured. Mm -hmm. I did their first house, which is made up of a series of very delicate cubes, very quiet, you know, in Sarah Retreat. His son lives there. So he says, I want to do something exciting. Oh, da, da, da. My life, he's an attorney, my life is like anything on the other side of the equation. And I said, fine, so we found the site. But the point being, is that his personality was that even though, <laughs> standard joke with my daughter and myself, and he says, I know exactly what you've got, this big art form, because he wanted a huge music room where he could just blast the music away. She never cooked. So everything so the was, kitchen was everything on a computer. Pretty minor. <laughs> no, the menus for all the restaurants in Malibu were on a computer. You go in there, I want dinner. And then we had a refrigerator, of course, we, you know, the basics. Mm -hmm. But I have to say that 90% of the houses I do, that's all they needed. These people act like they're going to have this kitchen as a symbol of their, what their motherhood, their authenticity as a human right. being. I don't know. But it's the wildest thing in the world. And they never cook. I won't tell you how many kitchens I've opened up at a party. That second <laughs> oven, opened it up, and right. the directions are still in there. Okay? Wow. Now, in the individuals. But Carson, Carson was... Uh, yeah, outside of that room, mm -hmm. it was just outside of it. That's yeah, it all. sounds like it was a really special relationship. And um, one specific thing I want to touch on about that house is it has a glass ceiling. Mm -hmm. It's not unlike the room we're sitting in here. Well, in, yeah, it's even higher. It's twenty-two in your, feet high. Yeah, your residence. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And you know, I immediately went to I I would want to be there when it rains just to experience. Well, the glass is so is like. thick. It's it's the double layer insulated you really don't hear on milt sidley's house you hear that on the arch mm -hmm. because it's done with a sandwich type material it's cal what's called but the wild part of that house is um, right around uh, january february when the storms come off of the ocean in fact he did he did a show Anyway, comes off the ocean and literally crash onto the face of that 90-foot bluff and you see the spray up in the air and you're like, you're sitting on this ship out in the middle of the ocean and the wind's going and everything is like this and you're in that living room. I mean, this doesn't end. It doesn't end. Incredible okay. yeah. to and be the, part of the, the elements like that. No, well, it is. That's all and, part of it. And it, was that just a, a bonus or when you designed that part of it, you thought about these storms that were coming up against this bluff? It. it isn't that I was so old that I didn't realize that. I've sailed all my life too. Mm -hmm. So you know that being in that position, um, especially in Malibu, and I had originally lived in Ramirez, which was back away from way back into the canyon, so I never got that. But we get it here, man. I tell you, that storm comes in here and it yeah. just, yeah. So there's a dynamic there that either you enjoy or you don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. And he enjoyed it. He would sit outside even when it was raining with his rain hat on it, right. just because the whole thing was there. I'm sure he just absolutely adored living there. Well, and I tell you, it, um, well, he lived there for quite a while, actually. I think it was 20, over 20 years? Just about 20 years, yeah. yeah. And, uh, the uh, 
yeah, it was pretty sad when they when they when he passed away and they had to sell the house because his wife, she couldn't do much about it. You know, it had to be sold. There's no way you could even begin to support that place mm-hmm. that she had. I can imagine the annual upkeep has got to be yeah. incredible. Well, it is like any piece of any property in Malibu's that way. You know, mm-hmm. you've been to the site. I have not been to the site. You should go, but. Uh, Anyway, yeah. it's very good talking to you about well, it. Well, yeah, so it was really amazing talking to you, and I appreciate all the information about this incredible Shangri-La in the middle of Malibu. Just And it was adored by Johnny for all those years, yeah. and you made it a very magical place for him to live. Yeah, he was very complimentary to me. Nice. Yeah, Especially it sounds when like I was guys... on his boat, and I think he knew he was dying. Mm-hmm. And who was on his, his ship, really. Damn right. Serengeti. Sounds like small. a ship. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, he was very... Uh, yeah, one time he called me and it was just great. He goes, you hear that? You hear this wind blowing. I'm up here and I'm up here just just north of Sitka, I think it was, in Alaska. Alaska. You know, I look at this is September, Johnny. That's not the year you want to be in Alaska. <laughs> Vacationing in Alaska. Yeah. He goes, oh, no, man, this, you know, it's kind of great. Anyway. I love that sense of okay. adventure. And I'm really grateful to you, Ed, for sharing the, no, the special you, part of good your to friendship you, with way. him. Go to architecture school at all? Um, no, I didn't. Um, You're just interested in the subject? I am very interested. In fact, yeah. in my um, Instagram handle, my bio says art and architecture mostly. <laughs> so that's what my Architecture my is, are. Uh, I can't uh, for years try to explain to people why you become an architect. It's not, it's not the draw, none of that. It's just as a vehicle that takes you to the past and takes yeah. you to the future all at once. Oh, that is such an eloquent way to describe it. It's so true. It's it's the only professional subject, let's say, maybe not an archaeologist, but a professional subject that takes you through history. And if you don't understand history, not just as an architectural device, but the way humans respond to everything, nature, the land, geometry, the earth, it's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. I feel sorry for a lot of people that think they're... I think they've done something, but... But you're so correct about the importance of architecture. I really But the importance of building that. is one thing. The importance of extending an idea of space is something else. But in the final analysis, uh, you know, we all come from the past. And uh, so nothing's really new. It's just mm-hmm. how you reassemble it. Oh, I love that. That's a great place to end. It's nothing is really new. It's just reassembled. Well, thank right. you so much for the time the that human body. you took with yeah. us today, Ed. Okay. You've been listening to part two of our two-part Los Angeles special on the Southern California properties of Johnny Carson, featuring my exclusive interview with architect Ed Niles. To hear part one of our Johnny Carson property special featuring Carson expert and host of CarsonPodcast.com, Mark Malkoff, go to episode 13 of Los Angeles at JasonCharles.net, Podcast Network, Arts and Culture Channel, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Los Angeles with Laura Craven on JasonCharles.net. jasoncharles.net Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep.